You're listening to the Irish Times. We have some news on the Out of Time podcast, Pat. Tell us the news, Malachi. The news is that this is our last Friday podcast for a while. We're moving to Mondays. Why are we moving to Mondays? We're moving just for something to be at, really. No, we're moving because we're going to see, is it more fun to talk about sport that has just happened rather than feel around in a dark room for the light switch to illuminate the sport that will be coming the following weekend? It's not just that you want to discuss the Royal Wedding. It is mostly because I want to discuss the Royal Wedding this coming Monday. So that is obviously... Uh, lifting the curtain so that people can tune in this coming Monday. Yes, no, from next Monday morning, we're going to be here uh, on Mondays uh, talking about the weekend that has just been in sport. And we're going to do it for the summer anyway and see where we go after that. And uh, it'll be fun. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Of course, this coming Monday, we probably won't get around to talking about the FA Cup final. No, probably not. Um, I have a quiz question for you. Go on. Um so since the year 2000, the FA Cup has been dominated by five teams. Go on. Arsenal, Liverpool, yeah. Chelsea and the two Manchester clubs. Right. They've won 16 of the 18 FA Cups this oh, since no. the millennium. Oh, no. Yeah, you can see where this is going. No. Can you name the other two? I... Wow. Can I name the other two? Uh, no. See, boy, I think that's interesting. <laughs> is I, I think that if I asked you to name the FA Cup winners from... The 1985 yeah. to around 1995, yeah. you'd probably be able to kind of swing yeah. through them all. Yeah. And it just shows how we've really diminished the FA Cup in our thinking. Wow. Wigan. Declan is just after shouting Wigan and he's right. He's got one of them. Oh, did they win it? Wigan I was going to say it. Wigan. I knew they were in in one of them. They uh, won it uh, the year they got relegated. That is right. You're the, never going to come up with the other one. Is that right? Yeah. Portsmouth. <laughs> so, Oh, of course. <laughs> well, that, that was a costly. Yeah, just before they <laughs> just imploded. Before the, yeah. I think the FA Cup has become this uh, sort of, uh, whatever is the opposite of a holy grail. It's the, the, the wrong cup to choose at the end of the last crusade. Um, because <laughs> it, it basically killed off uh, Portsmouth and Wigan in, well, uh, when it comes to in the Premier League. Speaking, yeah. And in the last couple of years, uh, Van Gaal won an FA Cup while he knew he was gone. That's right. He was sacked in the morning, literally yeah. the morning of it. Mancini knew that he was on the way out when he won in 2013, if you remember that one against Stoke. And of course, it has kept Wenger in a job for the last two years, which has been a disaster in itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just... And now this we have this FA Cup final where we have two managers which admittedly hate each other, which is kind of fun. But also, you are looking at both of them. If Conte might win and then leave, Mourinho might win and everybody's still going to call him a failure for his third <laughs> trophy in two seasons and finishing second to a record-breaking Manchester City team. Um, it's, it's a bizarre situation. And who's going to watch it? I think I'm going to watch it. I, if you if I have zero interest in watching it, I'd say there's almost no chance that I will watch it. And if you had told me when I was 14 that uh, Man United would be in an FA Cup final and it wouldn't even have occurred to me that I would be watching it that weekend, uh, I'd have spluttered in indignation. That's the thing. Yeah. Keith Houchin would be... Um, Indeed. Yeah, I was about to say turning in his grave. I'm quite certain Keith Houchin is, is, is alive. It is the opening weekend of the Munster Hurling Championship and the second weekend of the Leinster Hurling Championship. Uh, the Leinster one got off to a great start last week. I was at both games uh, and Sunday was especially fun. Um, this weekend... 
down in Parky Creeve, Cork on Clare. Clare. And over in Limerick, Limerick take on Tipperary. Uh, Sean Moran and Keith uh, Duggan are with us to talk it out. Keith, you're going down to Parky Creeve. What do you expect from it? Um, it's difficult to know what to expect. I think it's a game with. Uh, with a lot riding on it for, 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 for both counties. Um saw John Myler saying somewhere during the week that, you know, what's going to be crucial for, for all teams in this round robin series is is getting over the first result and sort of, you know, managing the entire campaign. Um, and I, I think that's true. You know, there's been a tendency down the years, particularly, I suppose, in the Munster Hurling Championship to sort of brood on defeats for a couple of weeks and they're not going to have that luxury anymore. Uh, I think that the, I think that the the odds are sort of tilted in in, in Cork's favour, both in form and the fact that they're they're playing in 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 Parky Keeve, and I think Clare have looked a little bit sort of unsettled uh, throughout the league, so I kind of expect Cork to come through. Sean Clare uh, seemed to be taken be be down in reputation with an awful lot of people. I, I've seen. A lot of like everybody's predictions for who's going to be you know top three in in Munster seem to be different. Everyone that I read is is different, but uh, Clare seem to be down towards the bottom of of nearly all this. Yeah, that's true, and I think um, probably you're looking at it in the context of five years since they're all Ireland and things being expected of them. I suppose every year since, in a fading, falling way context mm. because uh, they haven't really got any closer to recapturing that form. They got to the Munster final last year, but were comfortably beaten really in the end by by Cork. And uh, I think an issue for them as well possibly will be uh, the depth of panel because uh, they were reliant on a smaller selection mm. of players mm. um, than a lot of teams in Division 1A during the league. And that's not great going into an intense schedule like they're, they're facing at, at the moment. I think Munster particularly uh, depends on the momentum of the teams. And it, were Clare to win on, on Sunday, you know, we might be looking at them in a different light. But it's a little unfortunate for them. They're going to Cork the, the first weekend and Cork in the new stadium and that might well take off themselves. So I can understand why Clare are being discounted uh, simply because, you know, if you look at their uh, seasons over the past five years, they've very few, hardly any significant championship wins under yeah. their belt. And matches that they weren't expected to win or matches mm. that were going to be nip and tuck, they haven't come out on top in any of them. They lost actually that nip and tuck um, quarter league quarter final against Limerick, but it's been slightly... The game that went on for two days, as Keith was calling it, <laughs> a, a cricket match. But um, but they also comprehensively outplayed Limerick for large chunks of that match. And everybody's coming into this Munster Championship saying, oh, Limerick have a lot behind them. But maybe we're slightly discounting the fact that Clare, Clare did more to nail down a starting 15 during the league than a lot of teams. And maybe they are approaching it that way. Maybe so. But I think if you look at the one thing that would scream at me from the the match and uh, the the endless the unending match uh, in the league quarterfinal was that uh, they didn't win it in the end for, for for all that they were that they were they were on on top at various periods uh, they didn't they didn't put it away so it, you know it goes into that file in many people's uh, b- books I mean I think you know 
when you look at the players they have, uh, you know, and Dave McInerney going back to fullback will help add a bit more pace there, which was a problem during the league. You know, Tony Kelly on, on form can change any match. But uh, I, I think the time just seems to be passing them by, you know, since they since they made that huge impact in, in 2013 and other teams have been kind of coming and evolving in the meantime. I don't think anyone can definitively write them out of of the narrative for, for Munster, but you can see why people don't fancy them. Keith, Cork are Munster champions, we, we ought to remember uh, at a certain level. and But I guess the one thing different about them this year to last year, there's no surprise factor to their young lads this year. Not really. I mean, I suppose Owen o- o- Callaghan has come has come back in, and you know they've had they've had a couple. You know, Sean O'Donoghue and Tim O'Mahony came through a little bit o- over the league, but no, that that surprise element is gone. Still think you know that you know they're a very very stylish team, very attractive team to look at. It's a question of whether they can they can sort of um, I, I guess sort of knuckle down and dig out hard games, particularly over the course of this uh, over the course of this Ryan Robin, and we'll know more about them after that. I think there's another aspect of them as well that they John Miller put a lot of effort into restructuring the spine of their defence, bringing back on Cadogan to play fullback, playing Tim O'Mahony, I think in all the matches at, at centre back, and O'Mahony's now injured, mm-hmm. and and Mark Ellis, his predecessor, is only coming back, so could be an issue there for them on Sunday. Yeah, and I guess. Cork's attack still sort of revolves around Conor Lehan a bit. I mean, he he's definitely their their sort of attack leader. Um, it just be interesting, I think, uh, Pat, to, to see which of them, which of the rest, of them sort of come into it more. It, like, does Horgan had a great year last year? Eventually, but you know, you'd still worry about his tendency just to rely on his freeze and 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 not do an awful lot more in games. Yeah, I think that was something he tried to kind of nip in the bud a little bit last mm. year. I think Alan Cadogan might be a guy who we'd like to see have a big year. He's coming into his sort of prime now at this at this stage. He's mm. me- meant to be kind of taken centre stage. I actually do wonder too about the pitch in Parky Cueve. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if they've actually got it fixed because Cork could really do it a fast tur- uh, sod on the pitch mm. and the way it was cutting up during the league if it hasn't as long I wonder how much damage Ed Sheeran has done to it <laughs> yeah I, I think you know but Alan Cadigan actually is another injury concern for them um, but the word down there is that Patrick Horgan's in good form in the club matches as well so I think that they, they still have a, a fair bit of firepower but they just to me they're fraying around the edges a little bit with those those injuries and those potential absentees so uh, you know could be interesting we'll move on to the, the other game in Munster Sean uh, Limerick playing tip um, Limerick are kind of if you can call uh, some uh, a team a surprise package they're, they're sort of an expected surprise package they're 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 the ones that, that people kind of think maybe a bolter on the basis of their, their league form and finally getting promoted. And Tip seemed to have a few injuries coming into this one. Yeah. Look, the McCarthy Cup, that there's there's only uh, 10 or uh, maybe 12, you know, depending on the, uh, the McDonough uh, finalists coming through. So it's not that easy to be uh, a, a disregarded yeah. or a surprise team because yeah. the, there's nowhere really to, to hide. And particularly when Limerick... Um, as you say, come through the league with the the, the long uh, aspired for um, promotion, and you know they did they did well. They beat they beat Clare in their quarter final. They they took Tip to extra time 
in, in in the semi-final and they seem to you know they've a full hand to pick from so they're at home in, in the Gaelic grounds so you can see why people are saying that yeah there's a, there's a good chance for them here particularly as Tip do have injuries and they had a if on the scoreboard not quite as catastrophic a finale as they did last year still in terms of morale of pretty yeah. damaging conclusion to the league uh, going to uh, Nolan Park and, and losing as they did to Kilkenny now since then they have um you know, Noel McGrath and Dan McCormick are probably back in the half forward. So that, that's going to be uh, that's step up uh, for them in, in, in the half forward line. But the league, the main bequest of the league was just these question marks in the in, in the defence. You know, they're talking about changing the keeper again, fullback position, the question mark. So they're fairly, uh, I think, you know, Tipper going into this uh, not as well primed as they, as they might be for a championship and even you know what in, in better years they've started the championship poorly so I'd say Limerick you know are, are looking forward to this Keith um, Limerick at home is a big deal it's going to I think show up um, Waterford and their lack of home games it's, it's actually one of my favourite sites in Munster Hurling is when um, the Gaelic grounds kind of comes alive this is one of those games that you could imagine Limerick winning and if they do getting a win behind them and getting everybody in the county excited and you could imagine them pushing on from there couldn't you? Yeah exactly it's a really attractive game for, for Limerick and it's sort of like a, a you know reward for what they've what they've achieved over, over the spring I think they're possibly getting temporary at an advantageous time um, in, in, in this championship as Sean was saying like there are a number of issues for, 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 for Tip to, to iron out um, you know, playing playing three keepers over the course of over the course of the league. Um, Seamus Callan obviously due to come back in, and there's that issue as to you know how they play both forward and Callan over the course of the championship. Um, and you know maybe getting sort of James James Barry back into uh, back into his, uh, his his traditional form at at, at full back is is another challenge. So. You know, it remains to be seen how 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 quickly they how quickly they settle. Um, and yeah, for 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 Limerick, um, I still think it's it's it, winning that game is a very tall task. But it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be going to be an interesting day. It's a very tall task, but and, and the experience of, of being in Parnell Park last Sunday tells me, uh, like, the, there is a different feeling to to having to get through these games like you got to take that chance when it's there for you like Dublin Dublin needed to take that chance when they were when they were leading with five minutes to go last week like the, this is a chance that has come along for Limerick to get two points in the bag against the hedge on and it, it, mm. it's you got it you got to do it you got to take yeah, it I think yeah. so I think that probably is the, the predominant feeling about Dublin last week it was an opportunity missed rather than a you know, spectacular performance uh, out of the blue. From Limerick's point of view, I think that if you were comparing the teams um, on on Tipperary's strengths, you would say that what Tip have that Limerick don't have is more economy and firepower up front. Uh, Limerick, like their their wide totals are prodigious. Uh, you know, uh, despite the fact that that they do have ta- talented forwards, but. They, they they put an awful lot of chances uh, a begging uh, during the league, whereas Tip do have that economy and those those scoring mm. forwards. Even if you know Seamus Callan, I don't think is ready to play seventy minutes championship, yeah. but 
you know, Jason Ford and John McGrath were, were pretty good during the league. Mm-hmm. And if they continue that form, that's certainly an advantage to, to Tip. And you've Noel McGrath back as well. So you can expect Tip will take more of their chances. But can, can Limerick get on top of them? Because you feel if Limerick grab this game by the throat and go after Tipperary, and if it's gone down the last 10 minutes with the match in, in the balance, you'd probably more favour Limerick in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. That economy, uh, Pat, is, is so, so important. Like, I... The, like, just go even going back to the Dublin Kilkenny last week. Like Dublin, Dublin had what eight wides in the first half and two into the keeper's hands. Kilkenny missed six shots all day. Like they had three wides, uh, a couple of saves, and uh, and one against the post. Like it was just an absolute. That's how. That's how. When when people wonder how do Kilkenny do it, how are they still always in the game? It's just that they they're so rarely have those days where they have like twelve, thirteen wides and a rake into the keeper's hands. What they also did that day was um, Dublin had Paul Ryan um, having a bit of a systems failure and a couple of frees. Mm. TJ Reid hit every dead ball over the bar and Owen Murphy yeah. took four frees and landed they, all of them as well. They had 15 dead balls and 15 points. Like that that drip drip of scores is yeah. what gets you in a position for Liam Blanchfield's late goal mm. to win the game, if you know what I mean. Are you, you saw Dublin last week and the amount that they put into that. How hard do you think it's gonna? They're gonna find it to lift themselves again now for Wexford Park at the weekend. I I actually think if they if they still had Keeney, like Keeney's gonna miss it. He, I think they talked that he'd be back for the Offaly game. Um, but if if Conan Keeney was still playing, or if they if he was back and in, in reasonable shape, I'd I'd quite fancy them. Um, because I got the sense from them and certainly from Gilroy afterwards that it was, uh, well we want to fix this as quickly as possible. Like the, the what Keith referred to earlier is, you know, having the sort of the three weeks to kind of process and get these things out of your system. Um, I got the sense from them last week that they were bullying to go again, bullying that they had lost the game uh, and completely cognizant and aware of the chance that they had left behind them. But like just chomping at the bit to get back and to and to you know rectify it this week I think on a on a basic hurling level uh, the fact that they're that they're going to lose Conal Keeney I don't know who they will play at centre forward and they may even stick Ryan O'Dwyer in there like Keeney's Keeney was Liam Rush was the man of the match to me although I saw that Chris Crummy got it but I mean Liam Rush made the was made all the difference in the game but the fact that um, Killian Buckley had to look after, had to try and look after Keeney and try and sweep in front of Rush and you know do all of that at the same time. Wexford are going to have Sean Murphy as sweeper. They're going to have Matthew O'Hanlon as centre back. They're going to have Liam Ryan at full back. Uh, Rushy can't do it all by himself in there, and I think that's just going to be too much of a loss. Also, the surprise factor is gone. Davy's going to have a week to try and you know fix a plan for them um, and. Wexford have their, you know, Wexford have their own, their own advantages. You know, Wexford are aiming at this Leinster title. I just, I think without Keeney is a huge ask for them. Mm. Do you, Sean, ne- we're going we're to see next uh, or on Sunday, uh, presuming that Dublin set up the same way, two sweeper systems up against each other. One that Dublin have done very well to get to the situation it's at at the moment, but. Well, Wexford have a sweeper system that they've been fine tuning to perfection for a couple of years. Would do you think that'll be a factor? Well, it's a it's a factor in in, in the match, and that you know you've the two teams playing the the same system. Um, I'm not sure how it'll 
impact or how significant it would impact on the on the outcome. I agree with uh, what Maliki was saying. I think that the Conal Keeney uh, loss is is a problem. It, you know, if you look at what happened la- last week from the time he got injured, it's all been downhill yeah. for Dublin. Mm. He, he he went off the field and and Pat Gilroy obviously felt that that might have cost them the match. Um, and now they're going to to, to Wexford uh, with their again. That point that Maliki made about their cover being blown—that you know, you you go in and it was notable. I felt leading up to the the championship that Dublin were seemed to be confident that they could target Wexford and also that they would rattle uh, Kilkenny. And I was just half rolling my eyes at the at it on the basis of the of, of the league performances. But they've been as good as their word on yeah. on that. I do think, however, that I think Wexford were holding back during the la- later stages of uh, of the league. I'd, I'd expect them to come with with, with, with something. Something more now on, on on Sunday, and they are forewarned about uh, Dublin, and Dublin have will be weaker than they were last week. Also, you know Wexford have a have a have a have a, have a good specialist fullback as well, which might you know b- complicate things a bit more for for, for Liam Rush. Um, and uh, I, I would fancy Wexford to come out on top of this. Yeah, Keith, the Kilkenny off the game looks sort of the most routine game of the weekend um, but they, even though they got out with the result the, the lesson I, I took from that uh, Kilkenny game apart from their you know eternal endurance in these matters um, they're still trying to find their team like that you know that's uh, that's going to be a work in progress for a couple of weeks yet Yeah absolutely I mean as you say their, their, their perseverance is extraordinary um, and their refusal to panic and you know, they could easily have found themselves in a very, very tough spot on on, on Monday morning. But instead, they, they just they, you just have to put them away when when, when you get your opportunity. Um, I do expect them to to come come through against Offaly fairly fairly convincingly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the the real test for them will be their 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 visit to Galway in the in, in the following round. Um, um, you, you know there is there's a heavy reliance on their on on their leaders still in terms of uh, in terms of implementing their game plans. So yeah, they they've a fair bit of work to do. Yeah, awfully, awfully weren't terrible on the weekend. Uh, they were you know it there was only a point in it with three minutes to go to half time and then they gave up a goal and and that was more or less the end of it. But uh, they were very wasteful in the first half. That was that was their big problem. Like they were never gonna. Threaten a result against Galway, but um, they they weren't they weren't awful, you know. And and I could see the same sort of thing again. I could see it being reasonably close at half time. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was sort of significant too that immediately after the uh, the Dublin game, Brian Cody came out and sort of condemned the structure, which is going to obviously uh, see one of the uh, one one of the teams drop out. And there's a kind of a feeling that maybe awfully are the. Uh, are, are the sentence team there and there's a, a little bit of a weight kind of hanging over their progression now um so yeah i mean they, they did they performed well but you never really felt that 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 Galway were were really threatened in that game from 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 what little i saw of it no they weren't at all really but it was just it was it was a, a quite a, a fighting performance and uh, there's there's something in it for the for them I, our game against Dublin is going to be interesting in a couple of weeks listen lads we'll leave it there uh, thanks very much uh, Keith and uh, Sean and uh, we'll see you again along the way cheers in the Irish Times weekend edition 
As the royal wedding festivities commence, London editor Dennis Staunton considers the British royals' uncertain future. In the magazine, Catherine Cleary discovers Ireland's most exciting new restaurant. And ahead of the Pro 14 semi-final, Leinster's Scott Fardy chats to Jerry Thorny, while Matt Williams assesses Munster's chances. The Irish Times weekend, your weekend's in good hands. So for the final time, Pat, what else are we going to be watching this weekend? On Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, we'll be watching deferred coverage of Tyrone versus Monaghan. I won't. Why won't you be? Because I'll have been there. Ah, okay, fair enough. Um, well, the rest of the country, this is when we, we're going to, kind of, the bite is going to come on all the extra games. There's very little provincial football on live this year. And so BBC Northern Ireland are showing deferred coverage of this. But, because um, it is one of the few, enough, uh, along with Mayo Galway last week, one of the few provincial games on that you'd actually want particularly to see. Well, now, come on. I, I know, I've known you a long time, Mr. Hurling Snob. <laughs> All these years of people crying about how shit Ulster football is and now people are crying that they're not getting to see it. I didn't say I'd be crying. I said <laughs> other people would be crying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've seen I've seen plenty of Monaghan Throne games down the years. I'm not sure. Uh, I think people should be careful what they, <laughs> what they rise a row about. I know, I'm only messing. I, obviously, this game should be on television. It's two of the top... Let's say let's be let's be generous and say the top seven teams in the country, possibly the top, the top possibly top five, um, and um, the games haven't always been barn burners, but they've always been close. Like there will not be more than a kick of a ball in it. I tell you who they shouldn't hire for to do PR for them is Mickey Hart. It was funny hearing him talk during yeah. the week about how under no circumstances are we changing our style. We will be playing the exact same way. Yeah. It's funny also hearing Sean Kavanagh uh, saying that uh, that that style has, uh, well, I'm paraphrasing here, but generally he was sort of saying has ruined the careers of uh, hotshot Tyrone forwards over the last uh, decade. Uh, he mentioned the likes of Kyle Coney and others uh, who just weren't able to fit into a system where they had to be the one person left forward. Um, I did hear that uh, on Thursday night or last night, Sean and Mickey were on stage at a Club Tyrone preview night and that <laughs> body language was a bit frosty between them. No, really, yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Tyrone have done one thing that set them apart from every other team this week is that, that they've actually named a team. And one of those forwards who will be coming in and um, being part of maybe a, a new free-flowing machine would be Lee Brennan. And Colm Cavan has been named, has been fit. Actually, you're looking at me with sceptical eyes. You don't believe this team at all, do you? Well, again, I'm just going by Sean Cavanagh, who on, on the Sunday game, like last week or the week before, said, uh, yeah, Colm Cavanagh and uh, Lee Brennan are not playing. Um, they're both injured. Like, uh, Although I, he, he was quoted again earlier this week, basically saying that like Colm hasn't played any football since the All-Ireland final for Moy, which was middle of February. Um, so to throw him back into a game, he's just not, he's not fit enough. He's, he reckons he's only at about 80%. Like, so. I'm kind of fascinated to see now, because what's the point in naming a team with like that? The old switcheroo, Pat. Yeah. The old switcheroo. God. These gullible Monaghan people will be pre preparing now for Colin Kavanagh and Lee Brennan for the next two days. And then they'll walk out after the National Anthem in Healy Park on Sunday and go, oh my God, two other Tyrone drones are playing instead. <laughs> So how do you expect those gullible Monaghan people to get on? I haven't a clue, really. I I, I feel um, that they had a seriously good league uh, where they played an awful lot of players, which is not like them. I think they, they got up close to playing 30 players in the league, which is generally about 
almost 10 more than they would usually. Um, Conor McManus didn't play every game, didn't play every minute of every game, which they have had to do in other years in order to stay in Division 1. Like, there was a couple of years, definitely 2016, he played every minute of every game, and every game of theirs came down to the last five minutes. And I think he got the last point in four of their seven games that year in the league and that was all to stay in Division 1 they comfortably stayed in Division 1 this year didn't have to rely on them started flowing younger guys in and they're an experienced team like you you look if you put them up against Tyrone this weekend they have the more experienced players you know they have guys who have won All-Stars guys who have been nominated for All-Stars through the the two Wiley brothers um through Colin Walsh, the two Hughes brothers, uh, and McManus, and Dotting and Rory Began, who is, seems to be, you know, looks like the second best keeper in the country uh, at the minute. And then Dotting around that, they have a lot of really good sort of role players. Your Ryan McInespies, your Dermot Malone, all these guys who, you know, outside of Ulster football, you know, nobody would ever really know them, but they're just these real intense, energetic worker bees that make that the Monaghan team kind of flow. There is no getting away from the fact that they have for years, for most of my lifetime anyway, had a mental block when it comes to Tyrone. It doesn't never really mm. matter how well they're going. Tyrone have always been the, the landmine that, that explodes underneath them. Um, they've beaten them once in maybe the last 15 years, something like that. Um, and so Tyrone would be delighted. Tyrone people would be delighted that Monaghan are coming there with any level of confidence. Um, but I think if you draw the two teams up against each other, there'll be absolutely nothing in it. Could come down to free takers in the end. Monaghan have a multitude of fine free takers. What'll be interesting about them will be whether the likes of Jack McCarran. Jack McCarran had a brilliant league last year, but a terrible championship. This is his second one around. Can he? Does he have that in him? Will they play Conor McCarthy? Will they include them? I don't know. Uh, I would imagine I would make Monaghan slight favourites, um, but you would never be confident going against Tyrone anywhere. Never mind. It's at a home. very strong team gone into the qualifiers either way, isn't it? Desperately strong, yeah. Uh, and it it does. The qualifiers is not a place you want to be. Like it's the the old A side and B side of the last few years is gone. You're going in and it's an open draw. So you're going to play. So you could pull Mayo. You could pull Mayo. You could pull Cavan. Um, you could pull uh, Tipperary and Corker playing next weekend. You're going to have one of them in there as well. Like there's going to be some serious teams in there and you don't, you really don't want a piece of it this year. So it's going to be a serious, serious game. Um, I, As I say, I reckon... Monaghan maybe just have the edge, but we'll see. Um, the other stuff that's on this weekend, uh, the rugby has kind of snuck up on me a little bit. It has snuck up on everybody, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just the, the GA season has kind of taken over a little bit. But um, we uh, we do have Munster playing Leinster this weekend in the semi-final of the Pro 14. Jerry Thornley and Gavin Comsky are in here to talk about it. Uh, Leinster obviously coming down from a massive weekend last weekend. Uh, Gavin, I as far as you have piece in the paper this morning, there's a, quite a few changes from last week's team. Ross Burns at half, not Joey Carberry. Joey Carberry's a fullback, mm. which tells you 
a lot about where he might be playing rugby next season because yeah. the second best set half in the country first set half best best set half in the country Johnny Sexton he's injured second best set half and Munster playing Leinster and he's not playing it out half hence the meeting in a coffee shop in Ranelagh with Joe Smith and his dad <laughs> a while ago um, that's just a little bit of a, a little bit of a subplot to it um, there's that it looks like no Scott Fardy no Dan Levy although Jerry you said I think you think Fardy's on the bench Mm-hmm. Um, Keen Healy, Luke McGrath, Jack McGrath comes in, which he has to do. James Lowe comes in, which he has to, you know what I mean? So, besides the fact that they've lost the best head half in the world, they still look as their, their rotational policy, even at this stage of the season with 55 players used, still has them looking pretty strong. Reese Ruddock, an Ireland captain, has, it will be starting on the blind side, um, trying to put a late push for his failed injury prone season. So all in all, um, Leinster, RDS, they, I think they might have get the trick right of uh, somehow like, motivating their team after the highs of, La- of Bilbao. Unlike 2011 when they, they came off that miracle match in, against Northampton in the Millennium Stadium and went down to Toman Park in the Pro 12 final and got mugged mm. by a Munster scrum and a bit of Keith Earl's magic. I think, I think they might have... I think they might suss this out this time around. What do you reckon, Jerry? I mean, it's it, uh, on the face of it, it's some something to be able to do to take five players of that stature out of a out of a final winning team and go and play Munster the next weekend. Whether you know whether they're successful with it or not, we don't know yet. But like on the face of it, that's <laughs> that's some riches to have at your disposal. Well, yeah, but they're not only the best uh, team in the Pro 14, but they're also the best squad. And they're not only the best team in Europe, but the best squad in Europe. Now, I know they've only, I think, won one of their last five matches in the Pro 14 because they've gone full full out B team. And they've had dips for sure after the quarterfinal and semifinal when they've gone back to the Pro 14. Most notably last time out against Connacht with a record defeat. Um, but I think that when they just make five or six changes, they're still drawing essentially from the first team squad. And they're still in very good nick. I think they'll have learned from 2011, 2012 when um, Leo Cullen was the captain mm. and they made four changes both times, pretty much enforced and lost a week later in the Pro 12, in the, what was then the Magnus League finals to Munster and to Ospreys. Mm. And I think they've learned from those mistakes. I think Leo would have really looked back on those, those, those years and thought, you've got to freshen it up a bit more. So I think it is going to be a bit more refreshed and it needs to be because I don't think any of us in this room or anybody listening kind of the slightest clue how difficult it must be to emotionally and mentally pick yourself up seven days after playing a European Cup final and winning it. Mm. And, and winning it in the manner they did. And winning in the manner they did. But I think it's impossible, Jerry, isn't it, for them? Like One of the things you can dig into a motivation, they lose this game, East in the Sea was last ever game for Leinster, last ever game as a rugby player is a defeat to Munster at home. Mm. That should get them the spine tingling a little bit in the last meeting. Yeah, it should do. And, and, and I think also as well, you and I were there in the mix zone afterwards and it's very rare you get the kind of access we got to players. Yeah, they're really sound. And they, yeah, we got loads and loads of access. Too much, you know. <laughs> Go away. <'cause laughs> that's, not, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, we did. Like, Sean Cronin turned around to us and goes, so what, are you just sticking around Bill Bow tonight, lads? Where are you off to? And we were like, all right. Oh, I know. Actually, we've got a lot of transcribing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was really striking how much there was an air of disappointment. And I interviewed Scott Fardy for the paper on Saturday. And that's why I hope he's on the bench at least. Otherwise, we're going to have to can that and do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Bit late now, Jerry. (laughs) Um, But I do think that uh, there was a palpable air of disappointment amongst the Leinster players that they didn't play Leinster rugby. 
really? genuinely yeah. were disappointed, Mal, the way they won it. They they were very happy and content that they had to found, find a different way and win an arm wrestle against a, a pumped up physical side in the rain with Wayne Burns having an absolute nightmare as a referee. But they yeah, he got, got caught in that we're, we're penalising a high tackle early yeah. and then had to do it yeah. for any kind yeah. of any yeah. kind of touch over the shoulder after that. And it, you know, I think were fifty five kicks out of hand. It was by and it was almost split. You know. Leinster almost kicked the ball as much as Racing did and all Iberin did was kick the ball mm. and um, I think they really want to play again with a flourish on Saturday so I think there's a lot of reasons for believing and the biggest one of all of course is they're at home it's the RDS Munster haven't been to the RDS since 2010 What did you call the racing scrum half in about 60 minutes in the game? (laughs) Remember he kept, he was kept sitting there, he finally got penalised. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like they were deliberately, Russell were deliberately slowing the pace of the game down and he was leaving the ball outside the rock. Ryan and Levy got in and stifled it. Yeah, I think actually it was, Scott Fardy got it in the end. And he was asking for that to happen the whole game. They were deliberately trying to slow the game down all day long. I think this will be a faster paced game and a bit, if that is going to be quite a refreshed team, Gav should should help Leinster, I think. Yeah, well, Henshaw's gone as well. Uh, Carney, I think, is rested. Uh, Levy, I think, is rested. God, and it has to be. He, he couldn't go on playing like that every week. No, it was freakish. And James freakish. Ryan, you'd wonder how long he can keep yeah. going, but yeah. you've got to keep him going anyway because mm. he's just growing and growing. Sorry, Joe, you were just saying there, Munster haven't played in the RDS, Not never mind, won in the RDS, haven't played in the RDS since, since 2010. 2010. So it's just always in the Aviva. It's always in the Aviva. It's been the Aviva ever oh, yeah. since. You know what I mean? I mean, since 2010 when Hayes got sent off for standing on Keane Healy. That yes. game when they got beaten thirty nil. No, no, that was the was that was surprise. early. That was early in the season. They then met in the semi-finals and mm. Leinster beat them sixteen six. Yeah, it was back when this match really was bitter and twisted yeah. stuff because yeah. like, like that one we're going back. Like John Hayes obviously isn't a dirty player, never no. had been. Mm-hmm. And in that wasn't game, nice hearing the Leinster crowd booing. And yeah, wasn't nice yeah but it was pretty interesting seeing as it was building up. Um, Stan Wright and Dennis Leamy, who've got the two biggest forearms and fists you'll ever see in their life, exchange punches. And the ref was like, okay, I'll just, let's just go on to the next line out. <laughs> and from the next line out, uh, all hell broke loose because this young young prop who hadn't broke into the Ireland team yet dragged down the the old Irish, the Munster pack and O'Connell and Hayes gave it to Keane Healy and he came up blood everywhere. And like a month later, Hayes' six-week ban was reduced to five weeks so him and his, uh, Healy could start his <laughs> get first capped ever against Australia like four weeks later. I was like, back then, this match was, I'd love to see a bit of, if we see a bit of that viciousness of what we of what Munster and Leinster used to be, uh, it could be the best game of the season. So. This is what we avoided in the European Cup final as well by one result. You know what I mean? This could have been. I think that would have reopened a lot of old wounds yeah. if Leinster and Munster had been met in the final. Yeah. Could have been great. What is, uh, so? <laughs> yes what do we no. expect from Munster? Um, I don't know who the red half is. They yeah, they do. But they, they, must, w- they must be going with JJ Hanlon. I think they. I think. I think. Well, that's Jonathan what I mean. Grand they don't know who the red half is because the red half they picked for the Champions Cup semi final couldn't get well. He just didn't play well at that level. You know what I mean? Ian mm-hmm. Keatley. And now they've gone back to JJ. Tyler Blenhall, they can't get him. Going fit. back to JJ, I would actually argue um, it's the first time they've ever gone to him. It he was 83rd being, cap. Has he convinced you 83rd all since come back from Munster Northampton? And it's first ever knockout match at 10. Or European match at 10. Wow. He's never given a start at 10. But Jerry, he hasn't been convinced since games. he's come back, has he? Like I was really expecting him to come back and really go for mm. a nail down this mm. position. Mm. And he just, he's been just been poor in defence. He hasn't controlled games. Like Bill Johnson, their young fella, is the uh, the one that has the best chance if he can get over injuries and really come through next season? Because I don't think they're getting sent out. They're not getting yeah, sent out half. They're not getting an I, SOS. I, I, from I, I, I hear you. I hear you, and I read and I hear and I hear everybody say it. But I might be in a minority of one here. But I'm I'm still a believer in JJ Hannon. I just don't think he's ever got a chance. Ever got a proper chance? And I'm, I'm actually when I saw his name in the team sheet for the quarter final against Edinburgh, I was n- nothing against Ian Keighley, 
but I was actually glad to see it. Mm. So finally, this guy's getting a chance. Well, he's 25 years of age. He's, he's 25 years of age like, and he's a former what, shortlist like for what? World Young Player yeah. of the Year. That's five uh, years ago. Oh, talent-wise, yeah. yeah. There's no question. I just want to yeah. see him giving a run. Yeah, yeah. he only got into the Ireland 20 team when he was brilliant and beat South Africa was mm. because Paddy Jackson was bumped up to uh, Ulster uh, a couple of months quickly. But yeah. I, it's good to see him playing at the RDS in talent the, the semi-final. JJ Hannon's always been real. It's just Lovely run with the ball. In a way, though, is this is this a, a sort of a one-and-done chance? You know, like, they're not... If they let's say they lose this weekend, are they going to give them a go from the start next year? Yeah, God. they'd have to. I think because well, unless Tyler Blainhall c- comes back, but that's looking increasingly unlikely. Mm-hmm. He keeps got neck surgeries; it's quite worrying. Munster's a lot on the line here for Munster. Leinster's done their season's success. They don't they don't lose this game; it would be humiliating, but they'd get over it. Um, Munster like announced this week that they're signing Arno Bota, the guy who failed the medical. Another South African background. He failed the medical to go to Ulster last season and he passed it now and he's off down to Limerick to Johan van Grand's coached him before. This is a province. Seven, I think there's seven South Africans. Yeah, but this is a province. Motor. So they've, they've three, head coach, they've three South African back rowers, right? This is a province that produced David Wallace, Quinney, Peter Omani, David. This is a province that actually supplied Leinster with a captain and an open side who writes a column every Friday in the Irish <laughs> Times. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah. like, and they have three South African back rows. Like, they have an inherent, deep-rooted problems with bringing talent through. So they need They're to They're not alone. No, they're not alone. Ulster and Connacht joined that club as well. That's why Leinster are feeding Connacht bring through their kids, though, more yeah. or less. So, but mm. Munster have to really show something, I think, today. But they're not as good a team. The only thing is, the out-half thing that we just talked about at length, um, that'll, that evens it up a bit. They're the best scrum half in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be lurking in the long grass. They've been waiting for this game for two weeks. Who? They've been watching Leinster last week with a view to how they were going to play them. Um, it, they're... You'd imagine this is, this is a club who hasn't won a trophy since 2011. So this is actually a very important competition now for them. It's always interesting going into the semi-final of any, any competition to kind of sit down and say, well, who is the, who has been the best team in the competition so far this year? Like, there's four sides left. Mm. Who would you say? Well, Leinster don't really play in this competition. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, they topped they, the conference. Yeah, they coasted through mm. like with like with 55 players. 55 players. Like that's Glasgow were the form team in the first half of the season, no doubt. Yeah, but you flick. That's true. But you flick Glasgow into just switch back into Europe in the back. That was it the October match. Yeah. The two matches that Leinster played them one up in Glasgow, and they're supposed to be finally European contenders and all that. Cleaned out. Mm-hmm. So Leinster at their best. Glasgow at their best in Glasgow. Glasgow can't get near them. Mm-hmm. So the best team. Munster have been. Have they been consistent? Would you call it their form mm-hmm. in this league? Yeah, quite consistent. Yeah, Scarlet's come out of nowhere then. Mm-hmm. And do it again. Yeah, is Chris Closey back? I think he is. That adds a he, bit of dynamism he, to them. He trained, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so you might have Jack O'Donoghue on the bench. That's quite a strong back row now. You know what I mean? With Peter Armani there, CJ Stander there. Um, they've a good engine room. They've got but Conor Murray. Th- there's a I, couple, yeah, you're definitely right. There's a couple of Leinster players who didn't Keith perform Earls, last week. You know what I mean? Know, like Gary Zebo going to want to sign off with a flourish. That's true. This is a good team. Yeah. They're not a bad team. This is a good team. Ringrose, wouldn't, well, Ringrose got, got like smothered. In mm. Bilbao, he couldn't get a chance to break out. There's so I, many things through him. I don't. I think he's going to have a good game. I think he's going to have a cracker. There's a few little things like that. I think the yeah, genuinely, I think you put the Leinster lads in a room and you talk a bit about what Easton Asi was done for that club, and I think he's he's playing at twelve. And they patch him up one last time. They just don't fail like that. Mm. Now, there's no. That's just, that's not how sport works. But 
I think they'll be able to dig into um, their reserves. I presume, I, the, uh, I presume the organisers of the of the Champions Cup would love would much rather that it be the last game of the season. There's always Completely, a big of course. You know, there, there, there's always of course. It's always, it's always a well. weird. Well, nobody, no, no, no. But genuinely, it's yeah, always a it weird feeling after after the sort of the the intensity it's of the of, of last French Saturday. club alliance. Their their priority is their home leagues. Mm. The top cut tours matters way more to the French than the European Cup. That's just sadly a matter of fact. And when they renegotiated the the, the, the divvy up of the new umbrella and how it's going to be run they wanted the European Cup run off quicker so they could have a nice long run in for their own um, top mm, 14 because they were going to be in the finals Jerry the English and French clubs this is not supposed to be like this <laughs> yeah, Leinster are not supposed to be doing <laughs> this do, the top couture is more important oh you know yeah. they, they get like 100 a year whatever it is from they're supposed TV to have the best French team and the best English team in that Champions Cup on May 12th it's nice and pretty and then the two of them then they go mm. and they slog it out for their, their, their so it ain't going to happen Mm. It ain't going to happen. It's yeah. never going to be the last game. It just, it just gives, it gives, it gives these games. Even if even if this was a final, mm. there would be a different story. But this is a kind of a semi-final. It's a bit of a I don't know, sort of an after the Lord Mayor show kind of thing. There's a little coming bit of that so quickly on. after yeah, last there's a little week. bit that so going we're just on. Coming out, we've got a grand slam and people are getting their act together because they've got knockout quarters and semis and finals. And then you got to get them up again. Like if it wasn't Leinster Munster. Like how many tickets did Munster send back? One thousand out of four and a half thousand. So now the punters don't care anymore. <laughs> they've done. They've, they've, they've had their rugby, but this is still Leinster Munster. You'd be very interested to see how the, the, the fans bre- the, how it breaks up in actual visually mm. and sound wise because a lot of Munster fans have come. They've already procured their tickets. Remember, Ulster I, did come down back in two thousand thirteen. Remember, they all came down their, yeah, in their numbers. That was because that was meant to be an Ulster home tie. So they agreed in a 50-50 split oh, yeah. the tickets. Remember, they had Ravenhill was getting that's right re- re- redone at the time. I think that. If there's a thousand tickets being sent back from Munster, it tells you a couple of things. Number one, the Munster fan base is still very much Heineken Cup stroke European Champions Cup obsessed. Mm. And the Pro 14 doesn't matter as much. And also maybe it betrays a lack of confidence in their team at the moment. I don't know. I think the fact that, I think genuinely believe it might be another tight one score game. I'd be surprised. But this fixture is the most fiendishly difficult fixture in history to call. Yeah. Like if you go back to 2006, when Munster beat Leinster. Leinster were actually favourites in that game, Malachy. They'd won away to Toulouse <laughs> and Munster barely scrubbed, scrubbed through a, an arm wrestle with Perpignan at Landsdown Road and, Munster, and as soon as you turned up in the day, you just went, oh, there's only one winner totally. There's only one winner here. That was back when Munster knew they could beat the shit out of But I remember being there and, and, then and going... Oh man, everybody has this game wrong. Yeah, everybody. everybody. Yeah, Bulls, Bulls I wish I could. Red. Yeah. I wanted to read my read my, my preview two <laughs> hours before yeah. kickoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and same in two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, Munster went into that game having absolutely annihilated the Ospreys with one of the great great performances. Yeah, yeah, Had like nine, oh, nine nine lane oh, nine. Leinster players. Sorry, oh nine, yeah. and nine Munster players in the Lions squad, or whatever yeah. else. Leinster weren't being given a prayer. and came out and beat them by thirty points. Yeah. Like it's just so on the day between these two. That I, for what it's worth, Gav, I think it's going to be a one-score game. I really do, that, and I do make, I do think Leinster will win because it's at the RDS. But it was, if it was in Tolman Park, it might have been different. That Crow Park game was the second best thing I've ever been to. I think sporting-wise, it was just magic. It mm. was just brilliant. Um, they we're never going to go back. I don't think we'll ever get back to that level. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep what what the best one was for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. but, but do that, I had one thing is because it's going to pan out. I think. Um, Ross Byrne will kick his goals. Leinster's, Leinster will find enough motivation to be the team that they are superior to. Well, hopefully it doesn't get kind of lost in the mix over the weekend because there's, there's plenty on this weekend. Apart from anything, there's the Royal Wedding on, which will obviously take out... He's uh, going to talk about this at length. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Would you seriously watch one minute of that? <laughs> and you got to put a lot of time in Dublin Wexford. I want to hear in a Dublin Wexford, yeah. That is, <laughs> a lot of royal wedding supporters at Dublin Wexford. Uh, listen, thanks very much for coming in, lads. Uh, thanks to uh, Keith and Sean who were in earlier talking about the GA. Uh, we will be back. We're actually, as we said earlier, we're switching. We're switching to Mondays from from next week on, so we'll be back on Monday morning to talk about yeah, everything Jerry's that's happened. Yeah, we'll come in on we'll, Monday morning. We'll, Jerry will be told uh, about this at a, <laughs> in due course. <laughs> oh, no comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, off again. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.